Welcome to the Unapologetic Third Act Podcast, where we celebrate the age of possibilities and embrace the power of living on our own terms. I am your host, Lisa Owens, and I couldn't be more excited to embark on this journey of exploration, inspiration, and empowerment with you. We're here to challenge the notion in a world that often equates aging with limitations. The Unapologetic Third Act Podcast is a space where we redefine what it means to thrive in our wisdom years. It's a platform for sharing stories of resilience, reinvention, and pursuing passions that defy societal expectations. In each episode, we'll bring you thought-provoking interviews with remarkable individuals who have harnessed the power of their third act to make their mark on the world. From entrepreneurs to artists, adventurers to advocates, our guests will inspire you with their journeys, triumphs, and unwavering spirit. But this podcast is more than just stories. It's a call to action, an invitation to step into your unapologetic third act. We'll explore strategies, insights, and practical advice to help you unlock your true potential, find your passion, and navigate the unique challenges and opportunities of this stage of life. Get ready to be inspired, motivated, and empowered. The Unapologetic Third Act Podcast reminds you that your best days are still ahead. Welcome, my fierce and fearless listeners, to the Unapologetic Third Act Podcast, where we celebrate stories of reinvention, resilience, and the pursuit of passion in the later chapters of life. I'm your host, Lisa Owens, and today we have a special guest author, guest author, Debbie Weiss. With over 50 years of experience dealing with some of life's toughest challenges, Debbie is an expert in chasing your own dreams in spite of your circumstances. She is a, the best-selling author of the memoir, On Second Thought, Maybe I Can, as well as co-author in the Amazon bestseller collaborative book, Heart Whispers. In addition, Debbie is an entrepreneur running both an insurance agency and her online store, A Sprinkle of Hearts. Um, host of the Maybe I Can podcast, inspirational speaker, family caregiver, and mother. Debbie has overcome her own limiting beliefs and fears, allowing her to begin to live her best life, and her life's passion is to help and inspire others to do the same. In her spare time, Debbie la- loves to laugh, dance, read, and stay active. I thought knitting should be thrown in there, too. <laughs> <laughs> Debbie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Lisa. I'm so happy to be here. And now I have to say something about the knitting because, uh, and we can talk about it, but uh, as, as you know, and let me just say happy birthday early to you when we're recording you as well. Thank you. So we found out that we're both Libras who are going to be 60 within like a week of each other, basically crazy. And so I'm going to Italy and I was just thinking, oh, maybe I should get back into knitting and take that with me on that long flight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, welcome to the show. Uh, first of all, congratulations on the release of your book. Uh, how's, you. how's that launch been going? So I had a, uh, a party. And that was so much fun and a wonderful, wonderful event to really kick it off and kind of just a celebration because Mm -hmm. writing a book and going through the whole process, you know, it's often compared to birthing a baby (laughs) and it it did feel that way. So that was great. And now, you know, just shifting gear and doing what I love to do, which is really get out there and talk to people uh you know on podcasts in person so um it's great it's phase two and I'm loving it awesome well I'm so happy to be able to get time it was it was tough for us to get together (laughs) so thanks again for being here today um would you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and what inspired you to write um on second thought maybe I can't sure so I've lived my life 
basically taking care of everybody else, as many of us women do. For me, I became a caregiver to my father when I was 17 years old. He was only 45. He had a massive stroke. My parents divorced right, basically right after that. And my dad never lived with me. Luckily, he did survive the stroke. He didn't live with me. But I was his person, you know, and at a very young age to have to try and learn, you know, you're not even launched yourself. Yeah. And I was somebody who has always struggled with my weight, grew up not wanting to be seen, you know, um, because I felt like I was always judged for what I looked like. And now I was thrust into a position where if I wanted to do a good job to take care of my father, I had to step up and find my voice. Mm -hmm. And my caregiving continued. He lived actually for 30 years. So my caregiving continued and, and I could write another book of those stories uh, in that 30 years. And then when I had my oldest son, he was diagnosed on the autistic spectrum when he was two. And that kind of, you know, all of us parents are caregivers, but when you have a child with special needs, it, it really is a, a different experience. And then my husband um, had a lot of physical and mental illness and eventually was diagnosed with a untreatable blood cancer mm-hmm. and um, from the time of diagnosis until he passed away, it was only six months. So I took care of everybody else my whole life. And when I got to 50, something kind of struck me like, wow, I'm 50. How much time do I have left? None of us know, hopefully a long time, right? But I don't want to be that person who gets to the end and says, well, wait a second. What about me? I didn't even know what I wanted. Like, it wasn't like I had some deep-seated desire to do something. I had no idea because my life had been about everybody else and pleasing everybody else and taking care of everyone else and fixing their problems that I never stopped to realize I deserve a life of my own too. Absolutely. And, you know, that kind of started my journey, which has lasted, you know, thus far for a decade as we embark on 60 at this point, never wanted to write a book. Never. I was never one of those people who said, oh, someday I'm going to write a book. I think they say like over 80% of people say they wanted to write a book. Nope, I never said that. Um, Just kind of a a bunch of circumstances that led me to do this and kind of tuning into my intuition and the little whispers that the universe gives you Mm -hmm. led me down this path. And uh, (laughs) I'm still stunned. Well, I think it's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Um, okay. So your book focuses on reinvention and embracing new challenges later in life. Um, so, so I think you talked a little bit about, you know, what led you to explore this, but how would you define reinvention? It's really, I think, kind of getting in touch with who you are. Mm-hmm. I feel like when we're younger, you know, as I'm watching my own sons who were in their twenties, don't know who they are. I didn't know who I was, right? When you go to college or whatever, what are you going to major in? 
don't know. I was only you so changed your mind a couple times. Exactly. <laughs> and and oh my goodness, look what I'm doing now. I was an accounting major. Yeah. It has nothing to do with it, right? I, I, I would love to know the statistic of how many people don't wind up doing whatever they majored in in college. Oh, I'm sure it's a very high percentage. <laughs> exactly. Because we don't know. And so reinvention, I mean, it's exciting. It's finally getting the opportunity to really get in touch with yourself and figure out who am I? What do I want? Mm-hmm. And, and giving yourself the opportunity to explore that. Yeah. So what does the unapologetic third act mean to you? Mm. You know what? This is our time. <laughs> yes, it Most is. Most of us women, right? We Those first two acts were for everybody, everybody else. else. Yeah. This is the time I don't have to, and none of us have to apologize to anybody else because we deserve it. And so unapologetically, I am so excited. This is turned into the best time of my life because yeah if somebody doesn't like that I wrote a book if somebody does I don't care yeah it just got goosebumps when you said that because that's how I feel it's just like it's you know I I haven't been in that I don't have kids so I haven't been in that sort of caretaking but same thing it's like there's so, so many societal expectations about what you're supposed to be at 50 or 60 and you know this is what I want I want this to be a movement to, to get people to, to start thinking about things differently and, and not, you know, to live unapologetically. You know, it's so funny. You should say that I was just um, very close with a couple of my cousins and um, one of them who's going to be 62. She was talking about something that she has always wanted to do. And I said, so why not? What's yeah. stopping you? And she just rolled her eyes at me and <laughs> all the people that are close at me, you know, they're joking like, oh, maybe I can, you know, they, <laughs> they make, you know, throw it in my face laughingly and making fun of me. And I said, well, why not? You can. It's, it's knowing you can, but you know what? It takes effort. It takes a lot of effort. Mm-hmm. And it takes action. I was just talking to a woman this morning um, at my exercise class. And she said to me, you know, I have all these things that I want to do. And then I set them aside. And three years later, I realized I hadn't done one thing towards a- accomplishing that. And look, we can all oh, I can relate to that, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you have to, you know, you can't just dream it. If you really want it, you got to take action. And it's really in the action, what I'm finding. I don't know where I'm going to end up, but this journey is so exciting. It's hard, but it's also so exciting, right? Don't you think that? I agree. And I mean, a lot of it, you know, people are like, I don't have the confidence. It's like, I feel like having courage first and then you'll develop the confidence. But so many people limit themselves. And, you know, I've done crazy things. I joined the army when I was 34 and I went to basic training when I was 35 and started my military, my citizen soldier career late in life. And everyone told me I couldn't do it, you know, and I've done so many things and I'm like, yeah, I can. I mean, it'll be hard, like you said, but I don't like to start off, you know, I think like to think of myself as a possibilitarian. I don't, I don't want to say I can't do it before I've even tried. And that's what I'm hoping to help people see is like, there's so many opportunities and you just have to be willing to take those, take that action. So. 
Exactly. Instead of spending your third act just saying my life is over and I'll just kind of, you know, go along and, you know, I'll look for retirement and whatever you want to do. And that's fine if that's what you want. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. No, I'm not saying, but I feel like some people want more. I've talked to a couple of people who are in earlier retirement than their plan. They planned and they're like, I'm not, I don't know what I'm going to do. And it's like, well, but if you, and if you don't come up with a plan, you'll just kind of shuffle along, right? Exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm hoping I'm not, I don't want that to happen to myself, but I want to help other people just realize there's so many, so many opportunities out there. So many opportunities, especially nowadays. Yeah. So different when we were growing up, right? I mean, <laughs> look, we're talking and we're not even, you know, close, you know, physically right. close to each other. And, you know, the whole thing is with the internet and, you know, anything's, anything's possible. Absolutely. Okay. Um, all right. So writing a book is a significant undertaking. Yeah. Uh, can you share your writing journey on, uh, on Second Thought? Maybe I can with the audience and tell us about the challenges and highlights. Absolutely. So as I said, I never wanted to write a book. I wound up doing it because it had been on my mind. Like I said, kind of the universe was giving me a lot of hints. Yep. And I heard a woman on a podcast being interviewed and she helped first-time authors get their stories out there. Yeah. And I really connected listening to her. So I contacted her, loved her instantly. And she was just launching a course, a 12-week course. And it was a very small group. And I actually was joining right after my husband was diagnosed mm-hmm. with MDS was what he had. And I remember saying to my therapist, am I out of my mind? Like, how can I even think to do this now? I don't know what's ahead of us. You know, uh, what if, what if there's homework in the course and I show up without my homework because I'm an A student and I don't want to not be an A student and I'm not a writer. So what happens if she makes me read it out loud to the other people in the group and they're going to judge me and laugh at me? All all the things, right? All the fears that we all have, which is what had used to stop me right there. Like, okay, but my therapist said, I actually think this is the perfect time because you need something totally separate of your own during this difficult period that you can focus on. And that's what I did. I, you know, wound up, of course, loving the women in the course and, you know, all the fears that I had fell away very soon after the group started. And I decided that the only way it was going to happen if I was intentional. Mm -hmm. And so I scheduled in writing times. Now, let me tell you, I would schedule in a time, like an hour. When I first started, I had no idea what I was doing. I would sit down staring at the screen, not knowing what to write, looking at the clock, like only three minutes has passed, you know, that kind of thing. So it was a slow, long buildup. You know, the course itself helped me figure out how do you even start and how do you outline and and all of that kind of stuff. So once I was kind of underway, that's how it happened. What also helped was that, you know, I don't know, I guess it is that accountant mind. I thought to myself, I have to write it in order. Well, that's ridiculous. Do you know whether I wrote it in order? 
no course. idea, but I would yeah. think the same thing. I, I, it needs yeah. to be sequential, right? How else would I put it together? Exactly. And so uh, once I had an outline and, and basically my book is 30 or I don't even know if it's 32 stories maybe of different things that happened that kind of like, you know, paint the picture. Mm-hmm. And so once I had the outline, when I sat down, maybe I didn't feel like writing the next one in order, but I looked at another title of, you know, and I thought, oh, you know, I do feel like talking about that today. Mm-hmm. And that kind of gave me the freedom to allow, you know, whatever was in my heart and on uh, in my mind that day to just kind of flow. That's great. So that sort of ties into my next question. I was going to say many of listeners, myself included, aspiring writers, right? I, I do want to write a book uh, or, you know, a lot of people want to do creative projects, but do you have any advice for them based on the experience you've gone through? So um, you really have to commit, mm. you know, I think so many people start and it's hard. It yeah. is hard. And um, you just have to keep going. You just have to keep going. But I, I really do feel, though, the way that I was successful was being very intentional with scheduling in the writing time. And right now, I'm actually planning on writing book number two. And as I'm thinking about it, I'm saying to myself, you've got to do the same thing. When I come back from Italy, it's going to be on my schedule. Uh, the group that I'm in, they have co-writing times, which... At first, I thought was kind of ridiculous, but now I get it. So we would go on and and there's a lot of actually groups online that you can find that do this for free. Okay, at 11 o'clock today, we're going to get on a Zoom. I'm going to say, hi, Lisa, you're going to say, hi, Debbie, what are you working on today? You know, blah, blah, blah. All right, see you in 50 minutes. And you blank out the screen. You don't look at each other. There's no sound. There's no nothing, right? And you write. So... At first, I thought, well, okay, Lisa, I can say hi to you another time. What does it matter? I'm staring at a blank Zoom. But it's that accountability Accountability, because I know you're there and I'm here and I I have to do what I said I would, you know. Exactly. And then at the end, right, you come back together for the last three minutes. How did it go? You know, so I went to as many of those as I could. Yeah, that's a great idea because it's, you know, one thing and through all the Canfield work, I've had a lot, of, I have a lot of accountability partners and there's so many different ways to set it up, but that way is really, you know, like yep. you're, you're there. There's no getting, no squeaking out of it. Like, oh, I'm running late sort of thing. Can't talk to you. You're right there. So exactly. That's a great idea. Um, okay. So the book explores overcoming self-doubt and pursuing one's dreams. Can you share some key themes or takeaways that readers can expect to find in your book? The biggest aha moment I had was that I had the power to change my life. I didn't know that. And and this does tie into the success principles theory of, you know, E plus R equals O, meaning, yeah, I mean, it's when I saw that formula, and I don't know if you've discussed it already, but it means- I have not, but so why don't you go ahead and what it is. I haven't talked about it. Okay, so the E stands for event plus R, your response, equals the outcome. So I had always been a victim in my mind. I had this victim mentality that 
I was a victim of my circumstances, of the E, of the events, right? It, in my mind, it was, there was no R. It was, there was the circumstance and this is the outcome. Yeah. It never dawned on me. Everyone has different E's, right? Everyone has different life circumstances, but it's how we respond to them that is really the thing that then determines the outcome. And then if you don't like the outcome, you change your response. It sounds simple. It's obviously not in <laughs> practice. It takes some time, but I was missing that piece. And when I realized, oh my goodness, I have the power. I, you know, it's not somebody else. I had been giving everybody and every circumstance the power to determine the course of my life. When I realized, uh, wrong, it's me. You know, it's scary. Um, and and you have to take responsibility. You have to take 100% responsibility yeah. going back to success principle. <laughs> exactly. But then it's also exciting because then you can say, it's up to me. It's not up to anybody else. And so if I have the power, then I can make whatever I want happen. So share your quote around that. Yes. Yes. So in the book, in the beginning, I, I talk about how I've always been a girl without a quote and I couldn't stand in like yearbooks and stuff, <laughs> even when we were in junior high. I know. I didn't like yeah, it either. Yeah. Well, you know, what's your favorite quote? And I thought to myself, really, these 12 and 13 year olds have this favorite quote that they live by? Like, what's wrong with me? And as I was actually started to write the book one day, like this quote popped in my head and I thought to myself, did I just make that up? Because that sounds really good. <laughs> Let me just Google. And of course it wasn't me. It was Glinda the Good Witch from the Wizard of Oz who said, you've always had the power, my dear. You just had to learn it for yourself. And even now, it's just every time I say it, it amazes me because how many times have I heard that? How many times have we all watched the Wizard of Oz? You know, I, I thought, you know, just tap your heels, Dorothy. That's what it meant. And then you could go home. But it means so much more because mm -hmm. I did just have to learn it for myself. For 50 plus years, I had no idea I had the power. It's beautiful. I, I love, you know, being the same age, a lot of references when I was reading about the, the gym suit and the Yo. bad, I was just like, I, it could have been in the same school with you. <laughs> you had chicken fat too? We did. <gasps> so I was, I was laughing out loud. <laughs> well, for anybody, so it was this song that they played as a warm up in gym class. And I couldn't stand it. I, I just wish they would break the record or the tape. I don't remember what they used at the time. And it was like you started to have to run like a tortoise. And I like that part because it was nice and slow. And and then, you know, you had to speed up. And and but why did they have to call it chicken fat? I don't know, but it's just funny. I, I, we had blue gym suits, but I just um, I was yellow. Hard, you know, when I, when I heard you <laughs> talking about that, because I'm like, that is that is a memory from definitely from <laughs> school days. Um, okay, can you share a story or a personal or, or an anecdote from the book that encapsulates the spirit of your message? Oh boy, now I have to think about that encapsulates. <laughs> yeah, I I have to 
kind of think about the end. Well, this actually isn't a whole story, but it's it's probably in the epilogue. But almost a year ago now, it was right before Thanksgiving last year. So again, my husband, um, well, I didn't say this, but my husband passed away December 30th, 2022, nine months ago today. Ooh, sorry. And thanks. And so it was a rough time, right? Thanksgiving time was a rough time last year. And I'm laying in bed by myself, my husband, um, you know, didn't, no longer was able to be in the same bed. So I'm laying in bed and I'm searching for something in my phone. I don't even remember what I was searching for. Some item, you know, to buy. And then when I pulled it up, I, you know, put in the search bar hearts. And all of a sudden, like all these things started flashing through my mind. So when 40 years or almost 40 years earlier, when I was in college, I was in Washington, D.C. And back then there was a building called the old post office pavilion that had shops and uh, food and that kind of thing. And in there, there was a store. I don't remember the name, but it only sold items with hearts. And my whole life, hearts have made me happy. I love hearts. I love pink. I love red. And when I discovered that store, I just wanted to live in it. <laughs> I couldn't get enough of it. And my friends couldn't stand like, no, Deb, we're not going to the old post office pavilion again this weekend. And I told one friend in particular, someday I am going to have my own heart store. I don't know whether it'll be this one at the old post office pavilion or it'll be my own, but I will have it. And then life happened. I became an accountant, you know, the rest of however it, it went. And that night I said, oh my goodness, it's 2022. I don't need to have a brick and mortar store. It's not like it used to be. I can have an online heart store. And the next morning, I luckily, I knew someone through all of my experiences over the last two years who actually set up online stores. And I called her and I said, Sarah, I don't have a lot of money. I can't be shipping anything. I have no time. Like all these things. Can I do this? <laughs> uh, you know, tell me the truth. And she said, with a minimal investment, you know, we, we talked it out. And that was, like I said, Thanksgiving time. And well, two months, almost well, two months to the day, I opened my store online. I, a I, sprinkle of hearts. A sprinkle of hearts. I was going to ask you to tell us about that. So you you got ahead of me. That's such a, I, I, again, goosebumps. I read your, <laughs> read that. Amazing. But here's a perfect example. How many of us have these things that flash through our heads? Mm -hmm. I had forgotten this was ever a dream of mine. I mean- Come on. It was a long time ago. I still love hearts. I've always still loved hearts, but I forgot that, you know, you forget as life happens, no. we forget all those things that we dreamt of and were so tuned into. And I made it happen. And, you know, again, not easy and and everybody has different circumstances, but how many of us just say, oh yeah, well, I never could do that. Oh, that's too bad. That never happened. A lot of us do. Yeah. And, and I have too. Yeah. Right. All right. So life is full of challenges and setbacks, obviously. Can yep. That's how you 
personally navigated challenges and setbacks on your journey of reinvention and how your experience can inspire others who are facing similar obstacles and maybe not similar, but facing obstacles. I mean, it would be hard for me not to talk about, you know, my husband Mm -hmm. dying. That, That was a perfect time. You know, I had been on this journey prior to that. My journey kind of, uh, my uh, accelerated journey started about two years ago now. And that would have been a perfect time for me to say, well, this is ridiculous. You know, I don't have the time not only to write the book, but to do some of the other things that I would, you know, was was simultaneously doing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if I'm believing, and I, I do believe that you can do anything despite your circumstances, even in circumstances that clearly were very challenging emotionally uh, and, you know, in every way, every way possible to still be able to move forward with what I wanted, I did it. And so I was the person who would have said, oh yeah, but you don't know what I'm dealing with, right? This comparison trap, oh yeah, listen to her, but oh, my circumstances are so much worse. They could be, or they might not be. It really doesn't matter. No. Right? I mean, and I think that that is the key because just speaking from personal experience, I really fell into that comparison trap. And and so then what? It made my victim mentality even make more sense, right? Her life is so much easier than mine. Well, of course I can't do this. Look what I have to worry about, you know, this, this, and this. I was going to ask you what what valuable lessons you've learned, but it's (laughs) a lot. So thank you. Um, okay. So I think I've gotten through a lot of what I wanted to talk about. So let me just take a look. Um, do you, have you had any, um, any of your readers or people that you've shared stories with, uh, shared feedback that what you have shared has helped them change their lives? Have you had any kind of? Certainly. People are, which is fantastic, and and I know that you're doing the same with your listeners in this podcast, opening up their minds to believe that anything is possible. And I don't mean anything like, look, I'm not going to be an Olympic gymnast, right? (laughs) I don't mean anything in that way. (laughs) But, you know, we all have the power. We all have the power. And, and that really is the bottom line. And I've seen people change, start to change their thinking, start to realize that it is what we're thinking in our own heads. Mm-hmm. That is what then happens in our life, right? I mean, change your oh, thoughts, change your stuff. life. It, it it's true and, and it's another thing that sounds so easy oh just change your thoughts but that's that's really been a big one for me and for those that you know have read my book and that I'm working with 
I'm doing coaching and, and going out and speaking. I've done workshops and yeah, I mean, it's, it's that idea that our mindset, our thoughts will control our lives and that we have control of them. And I just did a workshop the other day and the woman said, well, I can't control what pops into my head. And I, I said, yes, I, I agree with you. You can't control what pops into your head. Right. Mm-hmm. But then you can control what you do with that. Right. It's back to the E plus R equals O, right? Exactly. You take your thought as the event, right? How you respond. Absolutely. Yep. So Debbie, what are you most unapologetic about? I am most unapologetically, I'm, I'm most unapologetic that I don't consider what I'm doing now selfish, right? If my kids, if my family, if my friends, uh, you know, they think that I should be doing something else, spending my time the way they want, I, I don't care. I really don't care. <laughs> I'm going to do what I want. And of course, that doesn't mean that I'm going to ignore my loved ones, but I do it on my terms. Mm-hmm. And I think I've realized how important boundaries are. And that's something that I never had before. And I was afraid to have, I was afraid that if I said no, if I, which was a very, very big thing, the power of no is, is a huge thing for me to learn and to be able to now use because I wanted everybody to like me. That's a huge shift because so many of us, particularly women, are people pleasing and put people first. So and I, it's not selfish. It's, you know, it's self-care and it's, you know, it's it's really, again, coming back to changing the mind, mindset around how we look at our lives in this, you know, in this phase. And we all deserve it. Like, why don't we deserve it? Why does everybody else deserve it except for us? Yeah. You know, nobody, I I love, you know, nobody's coming to rescue you. Nobody's going to come and say, oh, Lisa, oh, Debbie, it's your time now. Only you can do that. Absolutely. The truth. Well, Debbie, it's been a pleasure talking with you today. Um, Before we wrap up, do you have any final thoughts or words of encouragement that you want to share with our fierce and fearless listeners? I think I've I've pretty much said everything, but I I implore you to really think about that Glinda quote that you have the power. You do just have to learn it for yourself, and it's all in your hands. You are the one responsible, and you can change your life. That doesn't mean um, saying go get divorced and go you know none of those things, but. You do whatever feels good for you. And each of us has the power. And and please just don't use your circumstances as an excuse, as I did for so many years. Thank you. So, Debbie, how can people get in touch with you and follow you? So my website is probably the best way. It's Debbie R. The R is very important because somebody else and has I'll put it in the notes. So. I appreciate that. So DebbieRWeiss.com. And you can find my book there, my wait list for my coaching, uh, information about booking me as a speaker, you know, oh, anything and everything you ever wanted to know about me is basically there. <laughs> awesome. So Debbie, thank you so much for joining us on the Unapologetic Third Act podcast. Um your book on second thought, maybe I can, is an inspiring statement to the power of reinvention and pursuing one's passions at any stage of life. 
Um, we encourage our listeners to check out the book and embark on their own journeys of self-discovery and reinvention. Remember, you have the power to make a positive impact in your life and in the lives of those around you. If you like what you heard today, remember to subscribe, rate, and leave and leave me a five-star review on your favorite platform and share this with everyone you know, like, and love. Until next time, stay unapologetically yourself. I'm Lisa Owens. Thanks again, Debbie, for being here today. Thank you so much, Lisa. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. And that concludes another inspiring episode of the Unapologetic Third Act podcast. Thank you for joining us on this journey of celebrating life after 50 and embracing the power of our wisdom years. I genuinely appreciate you. We hope that today's episode has left you feeling inspired, motivated, and ready to embrace your unapologetic third act. Remember, age is not a barrier to living a vibrant, purposeful life. You can shape your narrative and create a future filled with endless possibilities. If you love what you've heard, please leave me a five-star review on your favorite platform and share it with everyone you know, like, or love who needs to listen to this message. I am Lisa Owens.